Welcome to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop, the podcast where we help you harness your intuition, your personal power, so that you can live a magical life. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Moonday Mystic. Today we're honored to have Phil Sanders, a seasoned entrepreneur, joining us. Over the last 13 years, Phil has honed his craft, focusing on three core pillars, experience, mentorship, and curated resources. His mission, to empower creative entrepreneurs with the freedom they crave, control, wealth, and time. From launching Three Pennies in 2010 with his wife, Anna, to fostering a community at Foster in 2014 and propelling Citizen Supply to great success in 2015, and then leaving that venture after six years, Phil's journey is nothing short of inspiring. Now rooted in the tranquility of Chattanooga, Tennessee, Phil continues to champion relationships and support fellow business owners while cherishing his ties to Atlanta. Let's dive into Phil's story, focusing on the highs and lows of reinvention and uncover the wisdom he brings to the table. Welcome, Phil. Yay, welcome. What's going on? Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Me too. So for those of you guys who who don't know necessarily our connection, so Phil is our neighbor. Phil is our neighbor at Pond City Market. So Modern Mystic was on the same floor. And I was joking when we were chatting ahead of time. I was like, I feel like Phil and I trauma bonded during COVID. <laughs> and we had right. to like pull all of the, you know, all of our neighbors together and figure out like how to navigate this crazy, crazy pandemic that everyone else had to, but also, you know, maneuvering as a group and with our landlords and just what a crazy time. I mean, once in a lifetime, weird stuff, huh? Yeah, I hope it was once in a lifetime. I mean, to be honest, that season for me of COVID when it hit, it was coming at a time when I felt like hey, we're finally out of this kind of season of startup. We finally had hit Mm -hmm. a good year stabilization. We're talking January, February, which are low low ends for retail, but we were already growing percentage-wise, like way more year over year. And so I felt like I am finally out of these damn startup weeds, you know? And so there was this kind of RPM... they, They went down mentally only to in March be like, now this is actually a hundred, a thousand times more extreme. So I think when it hit, you know, it hit everybody in a little bit different spaces. Like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I I heard that resonated with me was just, Hey, when crisis hit, you kind of, you, you go into it with what you got in the bank, right? Like, so, you know, if you have a lot of team trust, that team trust will continue to grow during crisis. If your trust is kind of on the verge, like it's those flaws are going to become really exposed. Mm So when we walked into COVID season, our team, myself, we were already exhausted. Like we were exhausted. And so it just felt like this one, two punch that was just incredible. So I don't know how it was on your end, but just, Mm -hmm. you know, just navigating. I mean, I don't know how much you go back to those initial like months, but are we an essential business? You know, what, Mm -hmm. what is everybody doing? Like where inventory wise, like, I mean, are we going to get PPP loans? You know, everybody I feel like is a bad quarter away from going out of business, right? Like a really mm-hmm. bad quarter. And so mm-hmm. when it's just ghost town, literally, yeah, it just leaves you, your brain to go wild, you know, and just anxiety yeah. through the roof. 
Yeah, it was crazy for me. Um, and I'm sure you were similar. It's just like, how do we keep paying people? You know, mm-hmm. our people are our most important resource. And that was before we knew anything about PPP. Just when we when we decided as a group, I think we decided as a group to close our stores before Ponce City Market, you know, made it official. Mm-hmm. We were really advocating. Um, and that was the number one thing. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but we decided we had all these raw materials with our essential oils and um, alcohol and all of that stuff that we pivoted and started manufacturing hand sanitizer because we had the ingredients through our other products and no one had hand sanitizer. And we wound up spent um, selling something like $35,000 worth of hand sanitizer to friends and family and our customers. And that was what paid payroll for like the, the weeks that we were closed. I was just like, what are we going to do? This is how we can be helpful. And then also we marketed that way. It's like, buy this so we can pay our staff while we're closed, you know, but I never thought I'd be in the hand sanitizer business game. We had actually the opposite scenario happen. We had a company in Florida create a hand sanitizing business and call it citizen supplied or citizen supplies. Oh, And everybody thought that was us. So when we were closed, they were over there making bank, but we probably came back to 3,500 like voicemails. Right. So it was like this crazy, you know, they, they ripped the brand off. They, they sold under the kind of our brand, but not hand sanitizer. And just, it just was, it was just, I mean, anything that I felt like I could imagine like 10 times that happened, but yeah, for sure. I think like, I can't remember when we closed down, but I just remember we had a, we had a bar and a restaurant inside of the store, like full service bar. We had food and then we had studio makers. So our store, you know, 12,000 square feet, and there were shopping shops in there. So it was it was this weird space of multiple businesses, not just that we were selling, you know, so our business for listeners was 12,000 square feet. We sold men's, women's and home goods. And we really partnered with small D to C brands to give them access to, to prime real estate. And we, we mm-hmm. did, we collected some really cool, we, we curated this from, a like a an idea of similar style and design so you know hey this pant goes with that shirt you know it it just it just fit everything about everything fit really well so but we still had i think four we called them studio makers in the shop and this was the vast majority of their business so Mm -hmm. when we were making the decision it was it was extremely difficult because there was it wasn't just our life, not like lifestyle. It wasn't our livelihood just on the line. It was multiple mm-hmm. things. So it was, it was just this interesting space. And I, I'm telling you, I think when I, when I get real with myself and go back there, that's where I wish I would have just had more confidence in my ability to navigate it. Right. Like mm-hmm. it just, it required me to just show up. It required me to show up. And I think a lot of those times, like when I showed up, I was mentally already numb going into that conversation or going into that, whatever that scenario was. And I just needed to just have honestly, just the faith, like, Hey, we can figure this out. Like there's this, I don't know if you've heard of this gap in the game concept, but a lot of times, you know, we're always looking at where we want to go, but there's a gap between where we are and where we want to go. And the way we find kind of the courage to, to understand that we can do that is looking back at all we have done in the past. Like, Hey, I launched this business. I've spent four years building it. We've, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but 
85, Interstate 85 burned down. Remember that? The uh, the bridge burned down mm-hmm. in Atlanta? I do. I do. And and our traffic plummeted, right? So it's like we've had these, We in the past, we had these things and we figured out how to navigate them. So I think for me, it was just if I wish I could have gone back and just slowed it down a bit, you know, breathed a little bit more and just taken it, hey, I don't even know what's going to happen at the end of the day. I'm going to take this literally in 10 minute increments. Right. And just do my best next best step. And I think I did a a good job, but going back, man, it's just, and it would have been impossible. Like it would have required me to be 10 years beyond myself, I think in a lot of ways, but the, um, the, the, the places that I just, I just wish as a human being, I would have showed up, I think with just more trust and more just faith in the team around me and, and faith in the vendors and just, just like, Hey, we've built something great already. This is a, you know, this is the group I have around me. Like, like I'm going to champion that. Right. Um, so it was really hard to combat that inner just anxiety, that inner, like what the hell is going to happen next (laughs) scenario. Well, it's also sort of reminds me of a lot of these therapeutic tools and spiritual tools that people use. It's like, if you don't practice those tools in times of peace, they're not going to be effective in times of stress, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, the resilience that you've acquired now, I'm sure if this, if something were to happen in the future, you can put them to use, but just for people that aren't running businesses, but have crisis in their lives, it's like getting those fundamental practices of slowing down, being mindful, trusting yourself when you're not in duress. So it's easier to apply in those times of stress, right? Or other, you know, otherwise you're a little out of practice. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what are you going to default to? Yes. You know, if you default to this kind of anxious action, if you default to whatever the urgency is driving you towards, or if you default to alcohol or to smoking or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. to completely escaping something like COVID, it just, it, it would just break, you know, it just, yeah. you couldn't escape far enough to get away from it. And so, yeah. like you said, it's that, that continued practice of things that create more margin in our lives, right? It, it's just when you, that's such, those are such wise words. It's like, that's what was missing in those front four years. And I, that's yeah. why I'm like, those four years were me giving work almost everything so that then I could, you know, ultimately hit this point when I could scale it, scale my time with it back. But it just, you know, again, this is such the entrepreneur story, you know, we just work our asses off and then it just some curveball beyond it. But I'll tell you this. So I know you mentioned that a lot of the topics right now on the podcast are about grief and I wanted to bring this up because I think it's super important with my story that you wouldn't even know to ask this question. Okay. But for me, so in 2018, I don't know, when did you come into Ponce? Uh, 2017. Uh, 2017. And like October's. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So 2018, in a two week span, we lost my mother in law in a car accident. And we, my brother, my younger brother found out he had cancer. And so it was this like shock to the system. And I'm probably 20, no, no, I'm 30. I think at that point, like I'm 30. So, you know, like in your twenties, when you're an entrepreneur, you just, you have this like kind of hustle that you don't have. I mean, I don't know. I'm like 36 now. Like I cannot 
I can't do it. I can't do that. Like that I used to do, but Mm -hmm. it was kind of this, this point where that shock, it really was like, it, it took me down a couple gears. And ever since that point, I was not willing. I, I literally, I could not go up to that speed again. Like it just, mm-hmm. it, cause I was, I was giving this company all that I had. And then when you get, when you just understand, like when your 58 year old mother-in-law, that's super, super close with your family loses her life and you're, mm-hmm. you know, 28 years from that point, right? So she's young when my 27 year old, 26 year old brother find out he has cancer. So I'm saying all this to say it's that in 2018, I kind of like lost this gear. And for 2018 and 2019, I was really coming back. You know, I was already scaling back my, okay, I'm going to put new people in place and give them more trust, give them more autonomy and really support them more. So I I feel like that's kind of when I was talking about, Hey, when we were going into COVID, we had just passed this point where I was like, Oh man, like this is like, this is working. And Mm when COVID hit, it just required this level that again, I just, I could not, I could, I'm not going to give work my entire life. Right. So Mm -hmm. there is this, I think the season of grief for me was started in 2018 and and it just that reprioritization of, Hey, I'm going to show up for my family. Like this isn't going to rob my nights. This isn't going to rob my weekends. This isn't going to rob the thing that, I mean, when I, when I'm seven years old, my customers are not going to be sitting around this table with me. My, you know, my team is not going to be sitting around this dinner table with me. It's going to be my kids and hopefully my grandkids. Right. And so it just was, again, I did, I did say this to say, it's like, there's so much beyond entrepreneurship that's at play. We're a hundred percent of ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what happens at home does affect work. And, and that was this massive effect in my life. And I just started to see that unsustainability of what I'd built. And I tried desperately to, to kind of move myself into a position that was stable, but it was still just so fragile yeah. when once COVID just slapped us in the face. Yeah. And you know, you're reminding me, uh, you have a quote on your website that also one of my mentors gave me. So I don't know if you happen to know Tom Murphy. He owns Murphy's restaurant in Atlanta in the Highlands. It's been there for 40 years or something. It was his college MBA um project that turned into like Murphy's of Virginia Highlands. And when I started Modern Mystic Shop, I was helping him with his marketing. And I said, well, what's a piece of advice that you would give me? And he said, and you have this quote, similar quote on your website, make sure you run, um, your bu- you own your business and your business doesn't own you. And that was his, because he's in the latter end of his career and he's still standing in that restaurant greeting customers and he's in his 60s, 70s. And I think you have a similar quote on your website uh, that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the advice that I would give for people. I wouldn't even say take business out of it. Like make sure that you like own your life and your life doesn't own you. And it sounds like that's what you were trying to figure out is like, how can, how can I scale back and honor myself while also being true to this business. And that would be advice that I would give anyone that's trying to start a business. And I took his advice from the start of building a, uh, trying to build a fruit stand and not a, I'm sorry, a factory and not a fruit stand and all of those, mm-hmm. those metaphors. Um, but I did see that on your site. So have you been, you must've been given that advice at what, as well at some point, did you apply it at the beginning and you were trying to like find it back, but your way back to that? Or when did that enter the picture? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your journey has been like from like reading, but I remember reading EOS, you know, the traction mm-hmm. book and, yes. and E-Myth and those kinds of things. And I, I had the, 
I have an excellent community of, of mentors. And so I, I have been mentored by incredible entrepreneurs since I was probably like 25. Mm-hmm. And so that was instilled in me early on. Now, the the trick, though, is how can you afford some of these things? Like, I mean, right. it's like, OK, great. I read this book. Totally get it. But like, but literally how? Like, <laughs> how can I afford that thing that allows me that freedom? And so it's kind of this like combat, it's like this ebb and flow. And I would say by the time that COVID hit, I, I had a business coach, I was in a cohort of entrepreneurs and that, that really was my saving grace for the two years that we kept it going after COVID was to be able to go in there and say in like a very vulnerable and transparent way, like this, these are my, this is my cash flow. This is my PL. Like, what would you guys do if this were you? This is my decision I'm making. Help me think through this from a different angle and how it could affect things. Like yeah, we, I, we, in that crisis, I hit my ceiling of like, I could not, this was just beyond me. And so it forced me to kind of ask for help. And, and it, honestly, like, I think sometimes like it forced a lot of conversations to happen of like, I literally can't do this. Okay, let's. This employee has the strengths and the skill set to do it. Let's give it to them. And so it did force a lot of really, really healthy things. I'd say, you know, COVID slapped us in 2020, and then really by Q end of Q3, I mean, Atlanta was it, it was difficult in Ponce, um, just with traffic flow variations after every variant came out, you know. But once it started kind of stabilizing towards Q4, and then going into 2021, like into 2021, we were back to 2019 numbers. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we us too. We we actually had a yeah. record. We had a record year 2021, which was also very confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it, you're exactly right. And so the the problem was is though we were kicking up that revenue, but the cash was now gone. Right. So yeah. as you look for 2022, you're like, well, here's our slump. You know, Q1, Q2, and you know, just everything had gotten more expensive. Cost of goods was going up, labor's going up, all these things that are affecting your cash. And again, it just, yeah, you solved one piece of the puzzle, but you're going to have to thread a needle and bat a thousand for like the next three years in order to get this thing out of the hole. And it just was like, when you, I think for me, the kicker was I had a really good board. So I had a board of investors and Mm. um, I had a board, I had a really good business coach and some really good mentors. And we, they were really, in the trenches with me a lot, like quarterly meetings, we were pouring over financials and, and the situation. And it it really just kind of got to this point of like the only way forward for us was going to be to take on more debt, you know? And it's mm-hmm. so hard because like with the way that the SBA was giving out money, like hotcakes, it was like, I had access to another million dollars. Like yeah. I just click of a button, I could get a million dollars. And I, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, but they were, the the people that were had a more objective point of view, right? That's so key to have someone with an objective point of view and not be so emotionally tied to the business. They were like, Phil, like you cannot do this. If you if you do that and you go another year, two years of just floating, yeah, the business looks fine from the outside, but you're just pouring cash into an un, like a business that isn't growing. There's no margins. Then it's going to get even worse. You know, it's just going to get worse mm-hmm. and worse and worse. And you're just going to be four years down the road with twice as much debt. You know, yeah. and that's a miracle happened and maybe it would happen, but it just was when the road, I think for me, it was worst case scenario was bankruptcy, right? So I leave the business. I can't pay this debt back. Worst case was bankruptcy. And then when you look at the road of me taking on a million dollars and then getting out of a million and a half, $2 million worth of debt, you're like, okay, <laughs> the road to, uh, with taking the money is actually gonna be way longer, way harder, way more treacherous 
than just the road with the worst case scenario that's just going to happen to me, you know? So it was this kind of stuff that like, I was just in these conversations all the time and, but it just, it, it forced, like I was saying to you before we got on the, the podcast part of this, like just forced the main thing to say the main thing. Like what's the viability of the business? You have this vision for the business and it's being severely compromised. You know, like what, what's actually the thing that needs to happen that might suck in the short term, but in the long run is actually what, what is needed. And what was that? Did, what did you determine that was? Yeah, that's wild. Um, I can't even explain how much I trusted my team mm. in October of 2021. Like I can't explain it. Um, like I said, we were hitting the numbers and, and things were, I mean, it just felt like things were clicking. Like if it was just a normal year, we might have like a 50% year over year the next year, like growth. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was, it just felt, you could, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can just feel it. It was clicking. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, it was, the moment was when we had our board meeting and it was really just looking at the numbers and saying certain costs were going up a lot. So we were going to have a certain cost. That was a big line item in our PL get raised by like 20%. And we were going, and the only way we could really compensate for that was either big, you know, layoffs or a change in our model to our vendors. Mm. So it was going to require, or us to renegotiate that line item. Right. So we brought in an outside consultant, like a CFO, and she modeled out really, Hey, this is, this is what the financials would have to happen for you to be profitable in six months. So like going through holidays, going through Q1, this is what it would look like. And it was, I mean, it was, I I can't imagine pulling that off. It was Mm -hmm. changing the model. So that affects 250 vendors. It was like laying off 20% of staff. And then it was negotiating with that line item vendor to to remain the same. Each of those were like monumental and I had to do it in 90 days. Right. And so it was just this like, okay, I lay off 20% of the team, the remaining 80%, I'm sure we'd lose some because they're already overworked. They're already exhausted. Now they're gonna have to do even more. Is that fair to them? No. Now at that time, the, the hiring market was white hot. Like it was just white hot. And so for me, it was the advice comes like, they will get a job as soon as they apply somewhere. Like they can go get a job that pays them equal pretty quickly for the line item. The line item increase was the last one that we were going to address, but from the vendor side, we're working with small businesses, you know, they've been impacted more than anybody the the past two years. And then now I'm going to go shift something on them that increases the risk for them. Right. So we were making our numbers, but we hadn't made it enough to say, Hey, this is, we, we weren't de-risking it for them. It would have been an increase of risk to say like, Hey, we got to move to this higher ticket fee in the lowest season of the year. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. yeah to get maybe even, let's say we got half of them to say yes. It was, mm-hmm. then we lose half. Now we have an inventory problem. Now your customers aren't having the experience. Like, so it was just so complicated. And then from the, the, the line item side, it was just like, once we figured out those first two, it was like, that was, it's you moot, know, we, we kind we, of, yeah, was, yeah, they were going to ask for even, you know, it'd be like, they want even more. Like I was going to have to pay like, okay, cool. We'll do that now. 
but you're going to owe me the difference later, which is mm. the equivalent of debt. Okay. And so those three things um, combined were just like, you know, it just made the decision for me. And the kicker is, hey, dad of three is going to have to be gone for the next four years because he's going to have to be on the floor 24-7 or whatever, do whatever it takes. And at this point, I'm in Chattanooga, so I'm like commuting. It just, it, mm-hmm. there was nothing and everything felt super forced um, to the nth degree, you know? And I think as an entrepreneur, like my MO to that point has been like, you just step in and do the work. Like you just step in, like you just rise to the occasion. Yeah. And this was a point in time where I was like, I just, I don't have, I don't have anything in the tank anymore. Yeah. My team does, but we don't. Vendors are like, everything just felt like the wind was out of the sails. So um, it was super quick. I mean, that was in October. I told key leader, my, my key leader, I think like two weeks later, then we told like directors and then we told managers, then we told our floor staff and vendors. And then three weeks later I was out. So it wow, was just like, I didn't realize it was that I mean, fast. Talking, yeah. yeah. It was like 65 days and an absolute whirlwind. Um, and, and I think that it's, it was trauma for everybody, right? Yeah. Like it was trauma for everybody. And I think as much as I, could have held space for, for everything. There just wasn't the time to, to really be there in the way that we needed, they needed me to be there or for, for the time for these conversations and things like that. So yeah, super difficult. I don't know if that answered your question, but um, if there's anything you have more No, that's good on. context. No, that's, that's, that's just laid everything out. I mean, so w- what about you? I mean, what about you during this time? How are you feeling? What are you what are you making this mean about, are you making this mean anything about you? Like, I feel like that's what I do. I internalize things or are you objective enough to know, like you saw it black and white on the paper and that rationale was enough for you to be like at peace with whatever the direction is that you chose. I, a complete shame, you know, it's like, I mean, we, we are open 363 days a year. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people are going through our store it's public, you know, it's nasty. Yeah. It's like, it's different if, oh, I can kind of scoot out and, you know, I don't know, just kind of fade into the distance. But yeah. to say it, cause it was just so much bigger than me. It was like, it was all these vendors. And again, back to the shopping shops, it was their whole business. And there are people on my team that were risking it to stay at citizen. They could have gone and then now I've got to tell them, okay, the thing you risked it on, yeah, we had this great vision, but it's just not happening, you know? And yeah. just like, just the, that felt awful. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, when, when I go through or when I went through that season, like I was very numb to a lot of my own feelings. So I can't even say that I felt it. Right. It was kind of like, I knew it, you know, like I kind of almost just had this like, it's just still worse. It's just still the worst. Like it's, it's just awful, you know? So it's just, yeah. there's just no relief. And I was already kicking up for January when I'm out, you know, I'm like, okay, like, okay, f- fuck. You know, I just, I've got a million dollars that I owe people that I'm going to walk out these doors with. Like, it's not, there's no end in sight, but yeah. my, my wife is just, she is the sweetest person on the planet. Like very, I can't even really describe it, but very, 
wholesome and, and believes in the good in people, like just, just a very pure spirit. And when mm-hmm. I told her, it just, I mean, just crushed, like, so there's nothing left for us. So we owe all of this so they can yeah. sue us. So we don't have anything to give any, like it's, there's nothing, you know, and it's just, and it was awful. So I think a lot of the way I felt, I kind of saw as other people reacted, like, oh my God, like I identify with that and with that. But I mean, my team for the most part was like completely empathetic. Like nobody was like, screw you, Phil, you know, like this was you, you fucking idiot, you know? And nobody on the vendor side, really. I mean, a few, there's always a few, but like, it was a big decision. And some of these businesses, we were doing some serious money with them. And, mm-hmm. but they were just like, man, this was great. And I think for me, it's like, I don't know what I would have done if it would have just been the thing that I thought it was going to be. But I think that as, I mean, most entrepreneurs, most small businesses, we, we're good people, right? We're good mm-hmm. people and we want to do good things in the world and, and see the change that we want come to fruition through our organizations. And so I think in some ways it just, it really spoke to what we built because in at the worst part of business, people were still showing up to work. They were opening the doors that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were making sales and like, cause for me, I mean, the <laughs> it, COVID is still going on. It's rising cause it's the winter time and it's Christmas. I mean, we do like, so much business the two weeks before Christmas day. Right. Yeah, and those same, that are those 10 days before Christmas. They're- yeah. It's like something unbelievable is happening. And so I'm like, for the love of God, just stay open. <laughs> like, please yeah. show up and please open the doors and please make the money for these vendors so they can at least end with holiday season revenues, you know? Yes. And, and so every single day I'm just like, that that's just the only thing I'm like, just keep it open today. Just keep it open today, you know, on the phone with all these key stakeholders that are pissed. And you're just like, just, and I I think that just the ability to have the team keep it, keep business open and, and, and just keep that culture or just that they just did so well with, with just everything that was thrown at them. I'll say that Mm -hmm. and holding and, and just having this level of maturity that it, I think that if that had gone the other way, I, I, I would, we would have figured it out, but like, I'm just so thankful that I, that yeah. I was able to do what I was doing. But yeah, I mean, it, your internal critic is, I don't know. I'm not saying yours, mine, Generally. my yeah, this internal dialogue is typically negative. Yeah, It's already a battle, even on good days. Right. Yeah. So when that thing is amplified and then the thing that it tells you all the time is now happening in reality, yeah, it is just like, you know, again, I, I, it's just next right step. What's the next right step? What's the next right step? You know? And again, the wife and the family were my, that was my saving grace. Like I could just escape back, be with them and then, okay, like it's Tuesday now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the weirdest feeling when, you know, my last day was December 31st and then you go back in January and it's like a scene from like some, the office or something where you got like a, a bin and you're just getting your stuff Yeah. because now it's, it's somebody else's like, this is somebody else's space and somebody else's team. And you know, this, the, 
all these things. And it's just like kind of this out of body experience that I think it took me about eight months before I was like, Oh my God, what happened? You know, like, yeah, I, I just, I, it, it, it has been, it's been over two years since then, but every single month I feel like I just get a little bit more clarity, a little yeah. bit more clarity, a little bit of myself back, a little bit more clarity, a little bit of myself back. And um, yeah, it just takes time. So our Atlanta-based listeners have often been to our stores. So they might have seen Citizen Supply and they might have seen it recently. So can you share a little bit about how is it that Citizen Supply is still on Pond City Market and you're not? Are you allowed yeah. to discuss that? Because <laughs> that's a little confusing. A maybe. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And I'll, and I'll just, I mean, obviously like it's Pond City Market has been and was like the reason Citizen even exists. Like, I mean, when we mentioned the beginning of my intro, Foster, Foster was a co-working space that I had for creative entrepreneurs, mostly like solo entrepreneurs. And it was my first physical location, like a brick and mortar thing. And in that we had something called in good company. And it was a, it was just like a, a maker's market and we would do it once a quarter. It's just kind of a way to have the community come in. It was just fun. You know, we, we had a few products that we we had for our for our business and anyway it was great and that's right when Ponce was being built out was when I was running this and they were the ones that were like hey what you're doing is cool you know would you want to come maybe potentially make that into like a, a permanent thing like a year-round deal and that was like the seeds of it so when you think about like how citizen supply even got started they were integral they were integral you know I mean they're a key stakeholder in it I could never have done it without them and so in the end, it was, they wanted to keep it going. Right. And which is, which is great. Like, I mean, it, it's, if, if there's a way for, for vendors to continue to, to receive revenue through this space, like I was for it. So, so really they ended up with the brand. I, it, it's, it's a different entity, but they ended up with the brand of it and they manage it. And, and then they do that now. And then I, took my very in debt entity and walked down this lonely road on my end afterwards. So they, I mean, there was a couple of weeks, I think where they just, they, they went in there, they remodeled it some, they, 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 any vendors that didn't want to play a part in what was next, you know, it was just this time for it to kind of switch over. And then they um, launched it under the, the Pont city market um, umbrella. So that's how it keeps going. I've been through there a few times. It's cool to see some people I know. And um, it, the first time was definitely surreal though. You know, it, it's yeah. weird when you walk through a space and you're like, I, I spent so much time here. I don't know how many times you've eaten at Hop's Chicken, but it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I, 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 I've spent probably $10,000 at these restaurants over six years. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. there's just so much um, you know, memory and, and all that stuff. And I, and I say this too, when I went back, it was probably a year since this, since it all, um, ended for me, I was just grateful. Like I was so mm. grateful for the journey. I think there's, there's a point in time when the trauma, when, when all that you are, so you're grieving that you lost, there's a point when, after you go through the process of grief, where you're more grateful for what you had and the time you had with it then you are bitter about what you lost. And so I think that's just so key. It's like to look at these things as, you know, and how they influence our lives. It's like, Hey, one, we need to learn to be incredibly present with 
what today is, what this year is, and, and, and learn to, to, to be living, making life good now, you know, yes. even if it's really hard, we can like, like confidence and ha- those are choices. Those are choices. Okay. They're not something that when X happens now I'm happy. That's like a dopamine hit. And those are temporary. So really finding happiness is something that needs to happen now. That means it's a yeah. choice that can happen now. And I think that for those people that are listening that are in a season of like almost feeling like impending doom is about to happen. It's like that you go through the process, like go through it. Well, like show up for what it, when the attorney calls scares me shitless, but I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to ask him all the questions that I have, you know? And here's the thing. When I was settling all this debt, the, the people on the other side of the line, they're people, they're people. Like I remember my attorney being, you know, we were talking about, okay, what are my options here? And we laid out all the debt and, you know, we had several creditors, you know, that I was personally guaranteed on. And so we were trying to figure out a strategy and they were just like, you just need to start calling them, you know, start calling them and, and, and working it out. And the key things are just being honest and being transparent and just sh- like be a person. Yeah. And I, I settled, there was six total. I settled five out of the six just with conversations. This is mm-hmm. what I've got. This is what you get if you came after me. Here's what I'm proposing. All right. Well, you know, let me go back to the team and, and we'll talk yeah. about this and we'll come back and, yeah. and then, you know, then I'd go have mac and cheese and chicken nuggets with the kids. And then yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd come back and, oh, I missed a call. Okay. So I'm talking to this bank again and talking to whatever, but it's just this, I think that that gratitude, going back to what I was saying is over the next, over those two years, going back into that store and, and kind of revisiting it mentally, there was a shift of shame to, Hey, that was a success. Like you did it. Like, I mean, we did it. We did the thing that everybody said we couldn't do. It was successful. Mm -hmm. A once in a lifetime occurrence happened and yeah, sure. It was fragile, but what, what business isn't fragile? You know, it's like, it doesn't have its fragility. So I think for me, that shift towards gratitude in the process now is the anchor that I have that's driving everything forward. And mm. I have a, a really good friend. He's like a very successful serial entrepreneur guy. But I remember I'm like moping and whatever. We were sharing this WeWork office space. And I was kind of, I was there when I fig- we found out like, okay, this is the call. And I remember I, I was talking to him and he's like, just remember, man, you're the asset. Like you're the thing that's being built over time. It's not these things. Like these are things, and yeah, they they become assets for you, and and hopefully you get a windfall once you exit at some point. But the deal is, is that when you start something new, you're not starting at the ground floor. Like you've built relationships, you've built community, you've built acumen, you built capabilities, you've built this resilient, you built something. So when you start something new, you're like, it's easy. It's going to be easier. Like you know, and and you're the asset that's growing over time. So. Things like that are just what I held on to. And I, and I just kept listening to truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good totally. one. Yeah. Cause everything that you're doing, you're investing in yourself and you're learning and you're, you're able to be in service for yourself and others so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I've been in this game less time than you, but since 2016, I've learned a lot. I've learned a <laughs> lot, no matter whether the brick and mortar stands or just, it's all in me now. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, what's, I think is actually really cool about the fact that, 
um, the brand that you built is still in existence is that it wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you and your team and those efforts. Like you actually do have legacy without having the stress. You have the legacy without having the stress of it. Um, and your, you know, your team can also revisit and, and be proud that it's, it was something worth um, keeping around, even if it wasn't you guys being the stewards of this, this idea anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool to have a legacy. So what are you doing now? So, okay. So you like, okay. So you closed the store or you, you exited, you are figuring out all of this. You're grieving your, you get to gratitude. It's like a whole thing. What are you thinking about you and what's next for you during this time? Was there any space for like, I gotta be- make a living and find a new passion? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. So there were multiple things. So when we, we sold our house downtown Atlanta during COVID because we wanted to renovate. And then we were like, the business is shot. We won't be able to get this renovation loan. So we sold it, moved in with my wife's father. Um, and we were planning to buy back into Atlanta. And then we just, you know, Atlanta housing went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of opened it up to saying, Hey, where, where would we live? We've kind of gone more virtual. The team is great. I mean, I need to be in the store a lot less these days. And all of my wife's brother and sister both lived in Chattanooga and actually on the same street. So she was like, if we could be on that same street, like I would go there. So we're like, great. I mean, cause at the time we we're in North Georgia. So the commute is actually the exact same. So hmm. made a lot of sense. So we bought this home in 2021 in like January. And that home was just its own cluster <laughs> as far as like the rent, we had to renovate it as a cluster. So so we are, we, when we, when everything was going down with citizen, we were actually like in Airbnbs up here. Like it was just awful. My wife was pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. not feeling great. And we were in a new city. So when I, when I exited citizen, I exited to not still not being in our home, my wife being like three months away, four months away from a new baby. We're in a new city and I I'm jobless. So I really, I took four months off and I was able to do that. And my business coach actually called me and was like, Hey, I know this is super hard. I'm trying to grow this thing over here. Like, would you want to come and help the sales team do that? Mm -hmm. And one of the, the, the marching orders my attorneys gave me was like, Hey, look, you need to kind of stay a little broke, you know, until we get out of this because the things that you have personal guarantees on, you just don't want to go out there and, and max your ability to earn. And then they're just like, cool, we'll take all of that, you know, <laughs> like, right, we'll right, right, right. Garnish these wages, I guess. Um, so, so I kind of was like, I can't make a lot of money and it worked for him because he didn't have a lot of money for this position, but the environment was right. So I just like, mm-hmm. I need to be around healthy people that kind of know my story. So I went on with him and my wife had, our baby girl. So we got two boys and a girl, which was amazing. We fought like hell to get our house done and it was ready two weeks before Christmas mm-hmm. of 21. So we moved in there. It's like, damn it, we are moving in here for Christmas. So we moved in there for Christmas. And I would say that 2022 year was really me. It, it felt like coming through like a swamp a little bit, like the fog was getting a little clear. But like I mentioned before, like eight months after I left was really the first time where I just felt like I'm starting to see again, 
you know, mm. and once we moved into the home and my daughter was six months old and I felt like there was just this, these massive things that dust was settling on had finally kind of come down. I just was like, I know I want to start something new. Like, I'm like, I know it. I'm an entrepreneur through and through. I would do it even if you don't pay me. I do it even if I had to walk out the door with <laughs> a million dollars that I owed, you know? So, um, so I knew I wanted to do something again, but was what I wasn't willing to do was to build something at the co- at the same the same way I've done it in the past, you know, like giving it this my whole container. So in that December, I was like, hey, in 2022, I'm going to I'm going to cut or so I guess that would be 2023. Sorry, 2023, I'm going to I'm going to cut alcohol because I'm going to have to build this thing in the morning. So I, I was like, I'm going to start building a business, getting curious, getting out there in conversations. I'm going to build this between like 5 a.m. and 9 a.m go work my full-time job. And then I'm going to come home and be with the kids and and make sure I'm a dad still. Right. And it was like crazy series of events, but like I knew I wanted to be in some level of like consulting or coaching, but I wanted to be in it with creative entrepreneurs. Like those are the people, those are my people. Right. And I feel like where citizen was moving and a lot of my role at citizen towards the end was helping remove obstacles for vendors from a, how do I run my business Mm. conversation? It was like, Hey, okay. Like there was this epiphany I had. I was like, I started citizen to make more revenue for these vendors. Then they started making a lot of revenue. And then it was like, still didn't solve the problem. And it's kind of like, you know, give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. It's like, how do you now hire and delegate and move out of your execution and move more into delegating and designing your business? So that was what was in my head. And I cut out alcohol and for the whole year, I was just like, I'm not going to drink alcohol. And I would say that is the point where I was like clear, like my clarity and drive started going through the roof because I was sober. I was working out. I was up early. I was getting after it, getting in conversations. And then Five or six months after um, the year started, I, I started my own um, just coaching. Like I was just coaching mostly retail uh, businesses, but I was just coaching them on navigating, like de-risking their businesses, navigating the nuances of of what it is to run a business, how to grow it, how to really move again from this hustle phase to more of like this CEO space of building leadership teams and, and, and all that stuff. So I feel like that has been super rewarding. And I did that really kind of low key for a year of just, I probably had 17 clients that year where I just, I, I worked with them one-on-one and just got to know them. And, you know, and for me too, a lot of this is like, I'm, I'm choosing what I'm going to pull forward out of the season of citizen supply and what I was going to just stay in the past. You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what parts of it were real? Like, what did I do that actually worked and what did I do? Hey, it was a mistake or like this sure. lesson learned, you know? And so sure. once I started getting into it with these entrepreneurs, I'm like, holy shit, like, okay, I'm, I'm not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> not saying that they're bad, I'm just saying like, it's normal. Like, okay, yeah. they don't understand they they have a hard time with their PL cash flow and balance sheet and making it all make sense and being ahead of the game with that stuff. Okay. They have a hard time with their team. They have a hard time, you know, leading in this area. They have a hard t- normal. It's completely normal, you know? Yeah. And so I really enjoyed working one-on-one with them. And as I started, it was really cool. 
in October. So right at like kind of like the two year mark of when I let everybody know that my mm-hmm. tenure, my, my citizen supply was over. I shot out an email to all the vendors. I hadn't talked to them in a long time. And cause I just didn't feel like I was in the headspace of it. I mean, like my Instagram, I think I maybe posted three times in two years. Like I just, I was like, I've got to focus on me, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just hit them up as just, Hey, I'm just super grateful. Like I was grateful, but I just wanted to re-engage with them. And the more I engaged with that creative entrepreneur, the more I realized there needs to be a more kind of accessible way to this coaching, to this, the, you know, this, these resources that I was working with people one-on-one for. So just recently I launched a, um, like more of a group, like a, an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. group and more of a group experience for really for creative entrepreneurs that are really stuck in that 300 to $750,000 range of revenue. Like that's the space where, Hey, you've hustled a long time to get to the spot. You worked your ass off to get it. And now you're starting to bring on team members. And really like once you get to a million dollars in revenue, that's really when you can start bringing in capable leaders into your organization and delegating outcomes to them and grow. You know, you can actually start, you can start seeing the line of sight to I'm moving out of these spaces that I'm either terrible at or that it would be more cost efficient for somebody else to do. And I can be moving more into coaching my team and, 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 and progressing the business forward. Right. And so I just launched that in February, which, you know, it's February 7th. So it's been going on for seven days and that's mm-hmm. been a ton of fun. Like it really has been a ton of fun. Um, but I feel like just to make it short, like I spent a year validating things in coaching conversations or two years validating in coaching conversations with my coach, with others, you know, just in those one-on-one conversations. And I've really condensed that and made it more accessible. And we're, so we're starting this group to just, yeah, I just want to see people for that group. I want to see people get past a million dollars, um, really stabilize the business and build some really healthy foundations. So did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. Yeah. You're doing great. And, and you're giving a lot of context. And I would just say, cause you know, people are listening to this out of curiosity. Some people are entrepreneurial and some people aren't. Um, but what I would take from what you're saying is, and you kind of brought this in the beginning, it's the people. It's like the people yeah. aspect. That's the thread that you've kind of put together through all of this. It's the people in your team that you're working with. It's the people and the creditors that you're talking with. It's getting these entrepreneurs in groups of people with each other where we're talking and we're engaging. I feel like that seems to be the through line of your story that anyone can take. It's like you might not be struggling with a business or growing um you know, that kind of endeavor, but you might be struggling with personal development, like get a group, <laughs> like get a group of people and support. I feel like that's this, uh, such a huge answer for any creative pursuit or pursuit of the spirit. It's like, I don't know that we're meant to have this such a solo, such a solo journey, you know? Yeah. I mean, we are the sum of the people around us, right? And plus yeah. our experiences, and really who's at your left and right? Like who, like your top three. Yeah. And so if people in those positions are not building you up towards your yeah. potential, then they need to move down, you know, yeah. the list. you need to go priority. find somebody. And so really when it comes to the group stuff, the goal is, is like, I want to get you around people that are challenging you and mm-hmm. by way of you seeing what they're doing, like you see their drive, you see where they're growing, but they're also vulnerable and empathetic and encouraging to you 
to, you know, to bring you with them. And so it's like that cohort that I was in, I was the only real, like kind of creative entrepreneur in there. It was a lot of construction guys Mm. and, and, you know, these, these people in way different industries, but I learned the most because I was just around people that were, that were different or beyond me. So yeah, it's like getting a good combination of get some, get a mentorship, get somebody that's advising you that's beyond you get yourself around peers that are, that, that want to see you win, right. They're going to help yeah. you when they want to see you win. And then they also want to win. Right. Um, and that, that combination is, is so critical. And I found that as entrepreneurs and as a person, like you move out of seasons with people, you know, I mean, you mm. there from a peer perspective, it's like, especially I feel like for entrepreneurs there, you have a drive that isn't completely normal. And for people that are really committed to to personally growing, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout life, some people just don't want to, they they don't want that life or they, they, they don't do it. And so there's a point where it's like, I still care for you. I'm still, you know, here for you. I'm going to just give somebody else a little bit more say in my life. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to reposition myself to just, Continue. And it, it's like kind of the sad truth. I mean, this, this kills me, but like sometimes it, it, it is that of how do we orient ourselves towards the healthiest environments? Cause environments make us mm. and they can also break us. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so uh, I would take it that you're talking to a lot of retail clients and since you said that's what you were doing for the first couple of years. So I want to ask you, do you see a vision for the future of retail as someone that's been in the highs and the lows and the start and the throes of it. And I'm selfishly asking, like, give me some intel (laughs) with all the people you're talking to. What, like, I I mean, how do you see retail changing in the future? And yeah, would you have any predictions or themes that you've noticed? It's a great question. Um, So I am not the guy that is looking at retail trends and, and, you know, following this on some national retail level. I feel like the people that I'm around are the movers and shakers. They're the innovators. They're, they're on this. I've got a really great idea. You know, their businesses are under 10 years old. They're doing at most, you know, 10 million, right? So just to put this in context for everybody that's not an entrepreneur, like there's 28 million private businesses in the U S and 10% of those businesses make it past a million dollars, right? So it's Mm -hmm. the vast majority of businesses are in this under the million dollar range. Mm -hmm. Um, there the people that I work with there one, it's tough. I think that there's a, there's a thing going on where the, the market is, is just cleansing itself. Because it's not mm-hmm. just retail. I think a lot of brick and mortar or a lot of these businesses that were either, hey, e-commerce, they, they thought that, e- that e-commerce trend in, in, during COVID was going to be a forever thing. So mm-hmm. they put all their apples, all their marbles or whatever you want to say, like in that basket. And now it's, it's, it's kind of flattened out or it, it's really gone down, right? So they're just over leveraged over there. And then now they don't have any other options, right? And then there's some people that were bloated, not bloated, but held that idle loan, those SBA loans. And that that really covered a lot of sins in the business over the past couple of years. And now they're like, they're kind of where I was a couple of years ago, where it's like the cash is gone, our operations and margins didn't recover. And then now we're in this crunch because leases and everything have, have still gone up. The cost of things have gone up. The revenue hasn't stayed in line. So we're in this weird space. So the people that are winning out there, I think from a growing perspective are making 
they're, they're, they're understanding their financial story of the business and they're creating strategy around that financial story. So they are looking at their financials at least on a quarterly basis. They, they have a preset strategy and plan in place that they're going for. And when it doesn't go to plan, they know if we're in the yellow, okay, we're going to make these moves. We're in, if we're in the red, we're going to make these moves. Okay. It's almost like a DEF CON plan. Yeah. And, and so the people, and, and we're not going to be like over, overly like at the mercy of it. Like we all know that we go through seasons that are a little hard, but they, they, they know what to do when X happens so that it's not such an emotional decision. Yeah. But the ones that are doing really well, they're doing that. They are staying engaged with their team, right? So they, they have some kind of operating system with their team where there's this, the, again, these are the metrics we're going for. This is who's in charge of what. This is how these roles are performing. And so they're ahead of, they're ahead of the game because they, can, they saw this trend a long time ago. So they're either holding that position accountable, you know, like, hey, we need, to, we need to see more out of this position. The metrics are going down, that kind of thing. Or they're, you know, they're able to course correct. And so that, that's happening. And then I think from like the who's winning with customers are the it's the brands that are transparent, mm-hmm. you know, the brand, the brands that have a personality, the brand, the brands that and that's specifically I mean, that's every brand. But when you talk about specifically retail, I was never great at this. If you look at my Instagram, you can see me trying to get better at this, but I, I just never put my face on it. And I mm-hmm. think that if I had to go back to, hey, what should I have done from day one with Citizen? It's build a, build a personality with it. Make, let people be tied to this, the, these values and, and these people. And, you know, we talked about people earlier, but get that out there more than like, Hey, look at this beautiful product. Like the product is, yeah, it's what you buy, but there's, you know, have you heard of this emotional benefit? You know, the difference between um, a functional benefit and emotional benefit. Mm-hmm. Have you heard sense. this? Yeah. You yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Can, so, yeah. So functional business is like what you get. Like I'm going to go buy, um, you know, like I said, this candle and it's, uh, I'm going to get a candle. It's going to smell great. The emotional benefit are all the reasons that why I'm actually buying this candle. It's uh, the reason I'm actually buying this candle is because, Hey, I align with this, this owner, this retail owner's values. Oh, the thing that they donate that cause is super dear to my heart. Oh, the way this candle was made is, is in line with my, ethical and you know all these all these values i have so it's like why are we choosing things so the people that are winning have put emphasis around things like that like they're really building more it's more of a value-based business than it is transactional and to do Mm -hmm. that you have to build a relationship and so i would say it's not too late to start that you know i think the hardest thing is when you're going through a really hard time to be beat up on this end and then pull your camera out and show mm-hmm. up differently for them or show up in the way that is in line with your vision or show up in this way that you're like, I just don't have the energy. And that is the fucking hardest part of, of entrepreneurship. I think is how you have to show up so different for each area of the business. Yeah. You know, I got to show up to my financials, non-emotional. I've got to show up with marketing assets like, you know, in my Steve Jobs, you know, I'm going to, or whatever, whoever you put, whoever you want out there, you know, like, like this persona yep. to the team, 
this part of my team, I'm going to show up to lead and coach them to this part. I'm holding this part accountable. You know, it's like, it's just these different hats and it can get so hard. And then you're just, you're constantly in this, in this whirlwind. So again, just to go back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, mental health, right? Building that margin in your life so that you can, because if you aren't drinking water, sleeping, (laughs) being around healthy relationships, you know, it's, you're setting yourself up to either make it extremely like a lot harder than it needs to be or for failure. And so I can say this, like people might think I'm wrong when I say that, but you can't take away my experience. And my experience is when I cut alcohol, when I really leaned into my health, right? I had about 365 days. I, I filed bankruptcy. I was still going through that stuff when I was going through the get healthy process, the day I filed bankruptcy, I was excited. Hmm. You know, I, I got to this point where it's like the, the SBA, they, they, their process for me to get out of this was, all right, you're going to have to go through this thing and collections process and the treasury department. And I'm like, that sounds like hell. And that sounds like it's going to take another year and a half. So the only way to move into the driver's seat and say like, I'm going to take ownership of this was bankruptcy. And I was just like, hell yeah, let's go. Like, like mm-hmm. take your, take your pound of flesh. I know you're going to, I know you're going to come get it, but like I've been surrounded by advisors, by healthy people giving me advice. I know the worst case scenario with this and I accept it. I'm going to move in the driver's seat and like, kind of like, let's fucking go. Like I'm ready. Yeah. Like I, I'm ready. to do this. And so it was this weird thing where, um, you know, I filed and I went through it and I can't even tell you the day that I got discharged, it was a good feeling, but it was really like a week after that, that I, I just felt like, oh my goodness, like everything I'd gone through over the past really six years just felt like that momentum caught up to me finally. Mm. And now is pushing me forward. So the way this translates into advice for everybody is keeping the main thing the main thing, like really solving the problem. And it's not just the problem of business. It's like really solving the problem of where you're at and going for that makes everything else secondary at least. But when you solve that core thing and that core thing takes a while for that little snowball to turn into an avalanche for that flywheel to keep to start going. But once it starts going, you're a whole different person. You know, and the, and the 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 external situation starts morphing to where you are internally. Yeah. Right. Like you yes. really start seeing the change outside of you before, after you've really figured this out. So mm-hmm. um, I hope that helps. And yeah. Resonates. That does help. Yeah. And to everyone that's listening, this is applicable to very many areas of your life. This is not just for people that are entrepreneurial. Um, But I do think that in particular, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, this is very useful because I do think we're a little bit of a different breed of of human that puts ourselves through these processes. (laughs) We put ourselves through these through these processes of like, what what do I have in me and and how can I bear it to the world and and um, sink or swim with that? You know, it's like here it Mm -hmm. is. There's nothing hidden here, especially with you in this conversation. So I do want to thank you so much. You have been very open and candid and um, 
vulnerable with sharing. So I, I want to thank you. And um, I'm really happy to hear from you and I'm happy to hear from you now. It's very cool to see you, you know, with retrospect. And I, I do believe that you took a lot of wisdom from you, from this and it's in you and it can also be imparted now to people that are listening and people that want to work with you and join your groups. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, totally. And like, I, I don't know if everybody picked it up, but during the process, I'm talking to people that are going through bankruptcy right beside me, you know, and, and I think that anything, one thing I know is that it's, it's an extremely lonely process. And I think entrepreneurship is extremely lonely. I think a journey, just everybody's individual journey is, can be extremely lonely because we expect certain people to show up for us a little bit more, or we expect a, this life to not be so hard, you know, and we just are like, well, is this really what it's going to be? And so for anybody that is listening that, Hey, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm questioning, is this, am I going to have a similar story to Phil? You know, like I would just challenge, like, please reach out. I, there's been so many people that have reached out to me that are, are about to file, or they're just kind of really pulling some last stops and seeing, but they want to just see what it's like. And so anybody that's in that really tight spot, I, I'm happy to to talk, you know, and share mm -hmm. more detail of maybe what I can't share over a podcast, but sure, sure. I'm happy to, to speak, to speak there. And I think that from the retail side and from the coaching side, you know, it's just a conversation. Like I'm here to, to just add value to that community, right? If it's mm -hmm. the right fit, great. But like, if it's not me, it needs to be somebody, right? Like mm -hmm. you need to have somebody. So however I can help in getting you connected with the resources or the thing that it is like, it's just been a dangling carrot. I can't get it, you know? And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's honestly finances. It's like, yeah, I sure. can't understand this. Yeah. And so I've been really working hard to, 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 to solve that for myself, but also like, that's the conversation I keep having. So the first way we start solving these problems is a lot of times just asking for help. Yeah. And so however that can be for me, I don't know if you saw this, but you know, one of the first things I posted on Instagram was my bankruptcy, like real. And I mm -hmm. like, like, I think I posted my first real January 1st or whatever, <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. I'm like getting back in the game and it's like crickets on everything else. But when I posted that bankruptcy thing, it's just gone absolutely nuts. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I can't even, you know, it passed like 200,000 views this morning. I was like, uh, that's a lot for me. I don't know if that's normal. Yeah, for that's a lot. People, no, that's just, a lot. I'm just like, there's so many people just being like, that was almost me. I get that. I did that. I, I had to go through this. Oh my goodness. This is about to be me. Can you answer some more questions? Like, so it's just a conversation that is happening in a lot of places. Yeah. And I think where we align with this conversation also is just like the modern mystic brand for me has always been about destigmatizing some of these practices or topics mm -hmm. that people don't speak about. And I think finances and money and bankruptcy is also one of those taboo topics that that it's time to normalize and pull it out of the shadows. It's like we all deal with money. We all have issues with it. We all have beliefs about it. And um, when someone like you that's been down that path can sort of normalize it and destigmatize it, anytime you can bring things to light, it, it makes it better for everybody. Um, so where sure. can people find you? I would love for people to follow you, to check out your website. Um, we'll also put it in the show notes, but do you want to give a shout out to where you're most accessible? Yeah, for sure. So on Instagram is where I'm at the most, which is just 
at Phil Sanders there. And then my website is the same thing, philsanders.co, not .com, just .co. Um, but yeah, Instagram is where I pretty much have been living as far as a platform. So I would awesome. just say hit me up there and um, yeah. that'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining and thank you for being a guest. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week on another episode of Moonday Mystic. Thank you for listening to Moonday Mystic by Modern Mystic Shop. Moonday Mystic is hosted and created by Kelly Knight, produced by Ariel Duncan, and inspired by magical listeners like you. 